What does it mean to find your people? Find that handful of people, basically your people that are almost your ride or die. And it's like, even if I do something terribly wrong and screw it up and need to come and ask for forgiveness or you need to come and be like, hey, this really offended me, we're not going to give up on each other. But they're your people that God has obviously placed in your life and that you've committed to. And it's like, you know what? We might go through, not might, we will go through some really challenging (laughs) seasons, but we'll also go through some really valuable seasons. You are listening to If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is like following Jesus. I'm Tim in Family Life's radio department. I'm Robbie in Family Life's performing arts department. I'm Becky in Family Life's development department. And we are looking at Romans 16. There are 16 chapters in Romans. Here we are. Feels like we just started it the other day. That's so weird. You're right, though, it does. This is the last episode for a bit. Mm -hmm. We periodically come up against these kind of little season breaks, I guess you could call them, or hiatus? Hiatuses. We come up against these hiatuses. I like hiatus. That's fun. I don't know, but stay tuned to this podcast feed for updates as they come out. But uh, in the meantime, and I'll tell you about it at the end of the episode again, But in the meantime, there are other good Family Life podcasts to check out and be listening to. The Rise Up Morning Show podcast you find when you search Rise Up Family Life is the other one I know of that updates weekly. Yeah, so uh, in the meantime, there are other good Family Life podcasts to check out. And there's a whole list of those. You can find them at familylife.org slash podcast. And each one of them is available wherever you get podcasts. It's Romans chapter 16. Paul's taking care of some personal business in this chapter, and uh, it's actually going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think so. so. Uh, I'll start us off. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. 
I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not know our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sophister, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too, as one of the Lord's followers. Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does our brother Quartus. Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Talking about this chapter before we even started this podcast, Becky, one of the same things that you were thinking about I'm totally seeing how you pointed it out now. Like, how does he remember all these people's names? Paul's traveled a lot. He's been to a lot of places. But you get the feeling it's not like he's just checking off names of a list. Like, these are my supporters on Patreon. I have to thank them. Like, he actually, it, you get the feeling like he's really got a relationship with these people. Like, these are his people. And like, from some of these... There's there's a story behind it. I don't know. We, we don't know the stories. They're lost to us, but mm-hmm. it's like some risk their necks for Paul's life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder that too. Like, what is the, what is the story there? In fact, they once risked their lives for me. Like, well, I want to know what that is. But like, I, I guess these people would know who they were and what the story was. So he doesn't have to unpack yeah. it. And I'm like, what was that? What was that all about? Yeah. I don't know. They just seem like in in intensely personal. Like, to me, I'm thinking, like, why does he say Rufus, chosen in the Lord? Yep. What, yep. I'm guessing Rufus, when he hears that, is ministered to in a specific way and knows what that means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He and Paul know what that means together, maybe? Yeah. And and mine says, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own. Oh, like, oh Rufus. And yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting. I... I've been watching through, I'm not usually like a uh, Jesus movie person, but I've been watching through the show called The Chosen, and it really is making me think about these people that I've just kind of read their names a bunch. Oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, whoever, whoever they are. It's just making me think about them as real people with real personalities and real stories, which you know, you know that. But then when you see it, it's like, oh, well, I don't really know what this person looked like or what they sounded like or what they said, but... What I do know is they were real and you're just reading all these names like, oh, yeah, these were his 
and he uses the word, you know, friend a couple times and, you know, brother and my fellow Jew. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the people in my life if I were to write a letter back to the people in my home church. You know, I don't live there anymore. And then there's people that I've worked with here before that have moved on to other things and you know, how I would reference them. And it's just it's all people that he knows and loves. Yeah. And it's a wide range of people, too. It I get the feeling that, yes. I'm assuming these people all went to the same church or were in the same community enough where he could write to them in one single letter. But also it's like some are referred to as his brother or his fellow Jew, but they're all doing so many different things. Some are risking their necks. Some are having church in their house. Some are acting like a mother to Paul. And it's just like, wow, you see the body of Christ doing what they were meant to do. And Paul is greeting each of them and remembering each of them for their personalities as well. It's not just like, oh, I remember your name and I remember this. I get the feeling that it's more of like, no, I remember what you do and how you use your gifts. And it's just amazing to me that Paul would remember that for one because, I mean, he's been on this missionary journey for so long now, but also it's so encouraging to see. It's like, oh, wait, we can have that same thing today. Yes. To me, one of the strongest things I get out of this chapter is the community aspect. It's funny when you look at Romans 16 ahead of time when we were talking about this, like, what are we going to talk about in the last chapter? Paul's just giving personal greetings. Actually, that's why there's so much to talk about in the last chapter, Mm -hmm. because Paul's people mattered to him. Mm. Paul's people. That's the only reason he wrote these letters. He didn't just, he wasn't like, I better set out to write some scriptures today. Right. We don't know whether or not he knew that the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write write scriptures. And that's what I think about a lot too, because you do, me now in 2022, look at these as, oh, that's just scripture, which it is scripture. Yeah. When he was writing it, I'm not sure that he was thinking, these words I'm writing are inspired and will be part of something that people will read for centuries. Like, I don't think he knew that. I feel like Paul is upfront and blunt and going to tell us what he thinks enough that if he did think that, (laughs) he would have somehow included it. But I also wonder too, like, would that have terrified him too much? Like, would he have felt worthy enough to do it? Or like, how would that have made him feel there? It's And he's, you know, an apostle, but he's not a prophet. You know, it's like the prophets were like, you know, thus says the Lord, blah, blah, blah. He's like, just, hey, guys, I was thinking about this, and I want you to remember this, and don't forget that God said this earlier, and, you know, so he's using a combination of things God had said and things Jesus said, and also just some of his own stuff, and yet somehow it's inspired, but it's it's just super personal. Well, it's... It's teaching, right? Like I was looking up the word doctrine because we use that word. We know what we think about when we use that Mm -hmm. word. But I wanted to see like what it really means. And well, the word really just does mean teaching. But like why it's important to Paul isn't because he's a stickler for rules because he like just likes systems and likes categories and grids and blocks and things. No, Paul is teaching doctrine and says, don't even pay attention to people teaching you a contrary doctrine. Uh Why? Uh Uh-huh. Because of the relationships, because he cares about these people's hearts and souls so much that he's saying, I'm sending you this letter to keep you on track. Mm. I planted this church. I am, I think he planted this church, uh, but I know there are other churches he planted and it would apply there too as well. I care about your souls. I am taking it upon myself to, because I am an apostle, 
to write down what I am telling you. This is true. If somebody contradicts it, uh, let them be accursed, as he says in other books. And he says, this is the truth. Stick to it. So while he's writing these these letters, and these letters do come across with the the full authority in, in church tradition of the Holy Spirit, is because it's because he loves the people and wants to keep them on track and doesn't want to see them destroyed. And it's interesting because I don't think I've thought about it from that standpoint because I do think about, you know, doctrine and it matters and it's important and it's because it's important. But like, well, why is is that matter? Well, because if you're getting off of what's true, then you're going to be following something untrue. Therefore, what's your relationship like with God and Jesus and fellow believers and what's your motivation behind what you're doing and is it rules-based or based on love and and how that yeah, like I think you're, yeah, it's like this, you know, Becky, I want to make sure you stay close to the Lord. I don't want you to, you know, Tim, I want to make sure you really are staying on track and not, you know, it's, it's because I care about you. Not because I'm like, because it matters that you follow rules. <laughs> right. No, it's because I care about you. Yes. And interesting. Tim, you explained it so well and it popped into my mind and then Robbie, you reiterated it. Paul is discipling here. Mm. If we look at it, Yes, he's explaining and teaching doctrine and he has that relationship and he cares for them and he wants them to stay on track. But that is also when we boil it down, discipleship. Mm. And it's like, okay, Paul's using a letter to disciple people that are miles away from where he is while he's in prison. And it's got me thinking, what ways today can I use to disciple people? It can be more because my mind is stuck on the, oh, if I'm going to disciple you, we need to be in the same room, have our Bibles open, be doing X, Y, or Z. And it's like, wait, Paul didn't have that, but he still actively discipled Interesting. People. So it's like, yeah. hmm, what other ways and what other tools can I use to encourage, to mm. disciple people, to make sure they're staying in the right doctrine and doing the things for the right reasons. It's already been said, Becky, you said it, that there's so many different kinds of people he's writing to and writing about. Mm. And what a couple things stick out to me that I think, to me, they're worth mentioning. I think it's really cool how many women he mentions by name specifically. A couple he mentions that are probably uh, a couple, like literally like a man and a woman, uh, mm-hmm. a husband and a wife. But there's a few that seem like they are uh, on their own in, in ministry as part of mm. maybe Paul's ministry team. I don't know. Phoebe's probably the most significant one in that some commentaries I've read and some commentary I've heard says that basically Phoebe as the letter carrier is like the first one to kind of be making sure like to read and essentially teach this letter to the people she's going to, or at least, I mean, it's Paul doing the teaching, but she's like unfolding it. Um, so was the first 16 chapter series on Romans, uh, delivered by, by Phoebe. Uh, it, it looks like it could be that way anyways. And, uh, Prisca and Aquila or some Bibles will say Priscilla and Aquila. Um, so we've seen them, they've showed up in other places. They're like kind of some of Paul's ministry pals. There are probably a couple. Uh, What does it know that Mary, or what does it mean that Mary has worked hard for you? It just says that in verse six, greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Mm. I I guess 
Paul knows what kind of a servant she is. You know, who know again, I don't know what, but there's a story there. Mm-hmm. And Paul saw her and recognized her. And her hard work on behalf of the church was so significant, it was worth singling out for all of time in God's inspired word. And like just that single name and sentence is really impactful to me to read that. Well, and it makes me think of of people that I know, like, oh, yeah, if I were writing, you know, I'm thinking there's a lady who's been volunteering in our kitchen for years and years and years. Ever since I was a kid, she's been, you know, serving me, you know, my food when I come through the line or whatever. And she fell. She broke her hip or something crazy. And, you know, we all wrote a card for her. And she's someone that comes to my mind with like, hey, treat her really well because she has worked really hard for all of you. Oh, like, yeah. that's just like makes me think of, oh, that's a person that I know that, you know, it just makes me think of that type of person. Yes. This person who's worked really hard for you or I don't know. It just brings that to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It also brings back to um, and I can't remember what chapter or book it's in, but that's OK. Um the list of different spiritual gifts that we have and you get down through the list and somewhere in there it says basically the gift of being a helper or um, mm. a servant in that sort of way. And so that kind of brings that to mind because it's like, okay, we know that she was a hard worker. We don't know exactly what she was doing, but I feel like sometimes as far as like the esteem of which spiritual gift is better, the one of being the helper or having that spiritual gift is kind of like, oh. That's what I have. Hmm. Okay. But it's like that very well could be the spiritual gift that she had. So maybe she was doing one thing like working in the kitchen all the time or maybe she was doing several different things. Yep. But it's just like, oh, you know, that that could have been what it is and what encouragement that is to any spiritual gift that you have is worth using because you never know when the Lord is going to allow somebody else to see it and be encouraged by it. And that makes me think of somebody else I know who were, you know, we're getting ready for this festival at our church and we're going to be there early to set up. And she was like, well, what are you doing for food? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. And she's like, OK, well, I'll take care of it. Like what what a, what a huge deal yep. that is. like it's not just a little thing. It's like there'll be several people that are there. They're going to be there at nine in the morning. They're going to be there till four in the evening. Like, how are they going to eat? Like I my brain didn't think of that, but hers did. And she's going to prepare it and it's going to be great and it's going to be delicious and it's going to. And and so it's like, yeah, that's that's so important. That's a key part of that thing that our church is doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Body of Christ. It's all coming together. Mm-hmm. Everybody doing their part. I also wonder what part this guy had. This caught my eye looking over this chapter. Erastus, the city treasurer. Mm. City treasurer? The big shot at their church, I guess. That's kind of interesting. Think about that. <laughs> like a lot of times we we look back and especially because we have this understanding like that there was persecution because we know that there was throughout history. We just assume the only Christians were these people who kind of huddled together and they gathered together and most of them were poor and mistreated by the rest of the world. And like that was true at a lot of times in history. But in 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 some way, we see this in a couple different places in the New Testament. There are some people of some pretty high influence in their culture that are also Christians. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And this Erastus guy we don't really know much more other than that he's the city treasurer and he's on he's where Paul is because he's sending the greeting. Mm, he's mm-hmm. he's part, you know, Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. Right. So he's maybe assisting Paul, maybe he's financing Paul in some ways, maybe he's maybe he's paying for providing for Phoebe's journey so that this woman who's traveling is she traveling alone? I don't know. But maybe 
you know, we're filling in gaps here in our imagination because that's kind of all you can do sometimes. Well, even what you were saying about Phoebe, you know, my m- version here says Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that, thank you for going back to that. That made my ears kind of perk up. You know, I was kind of m- more raised in the culture where, well, you know, deacon are the men and men do a lot of the things. And, and so it was just kind of like, well, I don't know if some people translate it servant, deacon, deacon means servant. I don't know. But it just... The fact that he just mentions that specifically there right at the top there, Sister Phoebe, she's a deacon and just thought, oh, wow, that's all right. Well, she's obviously an influential and important lady. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yep. Interesting. I'm glad you went back to her because that's an important word, which uh, I don't speak Greek, but I'm told that that word means servant. And so some Bibles you'll be saying, maybe if you're following along, my, my Bible says servant. My, mm-hmm. my translation says servant, yeah. but it's the same word. Right. And some versions will say deacon, some will say servant. And what does that mean? Well, man or woman, whoever you are, when you're there, there was this, was it a role Paul was talking about that was appointed in the church or was it a way of talking about any believer? I don't know, but does it, you know, maybe it's just realizing Paul saw everybody, like it seems like he really did see everybody as like co-ministers of mm. Christ with him. And these are his brothers. These are his sisters. They're all serving the church. They're all ministering in their own ways. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but to me, one thing that comes across, however you read it, is these people are very honored and respected mm. and treated with dignity. Hmm. Um, every one of them, Paul doesn't, he's not lording it over any one of them. And he values these people immensely as partners in ministry. Which I love because it's not just the females that are mentioned. It's because like, I feel like in today's culture and day and age, yes, we have a huge divide over women's rights versus man's rights and are they equal and all of that. But we also have the divide of like the hierarchy of who's well off financially and what job they hold and what career they hold and what influence they hold. And here, Paul is just putting them all in the same. He mentions several females. He mentions some of them have significant roles in their church and some of them have more not significant enough to necessarily mention, but they work hard for the church. And some of them are the treasurer of the city. And it's like, oh, everybody here, he's giving the same honor and respect, no matter their gender, no matter their class in society. Yeah. They're all listed with the same love and respect, no matter what their background is. And I think that comes to the whole Jew-Gentile thing mm-hmm. that he's a, almost the whole, when you take the book as a whole, there's lots of Jew versus Gentile, me versus you. And even in this closing, you know, he's got, you know, there in verse four, oh, I'm thankful for them. So are the Gentile churches. But then down further in verse seven, oh, greet, you know, this guy and this guy, my my fellow Jews. And then even further down, oh, Rodian, my, my fellow Jew, Gre- greet the Lord's people. You know, and so it's like, oh, he's including Jews and Gentiles here, even in this closing that he's been spending the whole letter talking about these two groups and how they both need to be coming together. Yeah. And so so let's take that then into his closing words to them Mm -hmm. because he does just that at the end. He wraps it up. He brings Mm -hmm. it back to the message he's had all along. Right. And it's, this is the message that sticks with us today. Like this, all of this, Paul's love for his people and then Paul's plea to them to be 
unified. I guess if I had to take anything away from the book of Romans, and there are so many beautiful things to take away from the book of Romans, I would say the thing that's sticking out to me is how important our love for each other is in the church. Mm-hmm. It's way more important than I give it credit for on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. I'll be honest. Uh, it's 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 way bigger and more eternal than I think I realize on a given Sunday when I show up, I sing, I chat, and I leave, you mm-hmm. know? And it's not like there's anything wrong with that. Maybe that's all your schedule can allow, but like, you know, do do, do not take the church connections lightly. They're not just, it's not a social club. It's like these these are the connections mm. that are going to, they're supposed to change the world. Right. And I think part of that is is finding ways to get to know people, whatever that looks like for you. If you can have people over, you know, do that. If you can't, well, then don't do that. Do something else. But I think it's finding ways to really know those people that you're rubbing shoulders with and and more than just, oh, I see them once a week or I kind of know their name, but, you know, finding ways. And it's not that you're going to get to know everyone in every row, seat, pew, whatever. Like, you can't do that. But find a few that you can serve alongside with, do do something with, do some ministry with, do some life with. And I, I just think, yeah, it's so beautiful and important. And it's so easy to take that for granted, too. Because I feel like sometimes when you've been in the same church for a long time, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's a really good thing to stay with the same local body of Christ, obviously, as long as they're doctrinally sound and all of that. But I think we can easily fall into that trap of taking it for granted of, oh, it almost becomes a routine of I've been here. I hang out with the same people and I know the same people, which is great. But one, maybe there's one other person that you can pull into your group. Or maybe there's something else that you could do with that same group of people that maybe you haven't done before. Um, But I feel like we can take it for granted so easily and forget how important and valuable that is. And it's like, oh, that should be something that gives me life and breathes life into me, not something that's just like, oh, well, I just do it every Sunday. Yes, breathes life into me. I like that a lot. I like that so much. Here's a phrase I'm going to lob at you, Becky. Okay. What what does it mean if I say to find your people? So what does it mean to find your people? Um, I think that it means to find that handful of people, maybe three to five people. I mean, if you get too many, then it – after I explain it, it'll make more sense. But if you get too many, then you can't really sustain it. But those people that God places in your life, and I say that because if I had the choice, I'd go out and be like, ooh, you're my person because of X, Y, and Z. And oh, you're my person because of X, Y, and Z. But it's good to have people who play different roles in your life. So people that, you know, make you smile and laugh and you just have fun with and you can relax with and people that are maybe a little bit more serious and they can hold your feet to the fire a little bit and be like, hey, I saw this and I'm just curious. Can you explain it a little bit more? Um, And people that speak wisdom into your life and are just an ear to listen to and an outside, sometimes an outside eye of, hey, I just need to talk through this. And I know you know the scriptures and you have what's best in mind for me and you're just going to pour into me that way. Now, some people can play multiple roles of that, but they're basically your people that are almost your ride or die. And it's like, 
even if I do something terribly wrong and screw it up and need to come and ask for forgiveness or you need to come and be like, hey, this really offended me, we're not going to give up on each other. We're still mm. going to be there and we're going to be that solid group of friends, family members, whatever the mix is, that recognize that Christ has put us in the same area and in the same circle. And they can be people from different circles. I mean, you might have somebody from work. You might have somebody from church. You might have somebody that you met in the community because you have a family and your kids play sports. It doesn't have to be from the same location, but they're your people that God has obviously placed in your life and that you've committed to. And it's like, you know what? We might go through not might. We will go through some really challenging <laughs> seasons, but we'll yeah. also go through some really valuable seasons. So they're almost like the people – now, Paul has obviously a lot more than three or five, but we could probably pick out some and be like, you know, it sounds like he was a lot closer to this person, like Timothy. He was a lot closer mm -hmm. to Timothy than maybe he was to some of the others, but they made that commitment of, you know, God has placed us in the same spot or in the same time in life what what purpose is that in and how can we rep pull from scriptures and be christ to one another because then we have the ability to go out and do that in the world it's mm. like we may not minister at the same time or always be in the same place with the same ministries but we're drawing and feeding off each other and we're supporting each other and then God is gonna, God can use that to help build us up so that we're full so that we can then go pour that into others. Yeah. I yes. like it. Yep. 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 I That's, like it a lot. And as we kind of wrap up, not just this episode, not just this book, but this this series of episodes in the podcast, if that makes sense, where we enjoy getting to do this on a, a semi-weekly basis with you and with each other, this is, maybe this is, Maybe this is part of what it means. Just what we're doing here, what you listening can do with with your own people as well. Even person, like even just starting with one person. Mm -hmm. It's going through God's word together. It's being willing to have conversations together. It's being able to have people that can correct you, people that will receive godly correction from you. All of that. It's, it's, it's what it's, it's to me what I come away with when I look at the book of Romans, it's about the people, it's about the relationships, because that's what God wants to change this world through. That's what he wants to use is his church. And it's a book and about the church. That's what he did when he was here on the planet as Jesus. Yep. Re relationships. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Hope we get to do a lot more of this. Mm -hmm. Pretty good stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we'll do it whether or not we're on this podcast. We'll do these kind of things together <laughs> anyways. But hope we get to do it more on the podcast. Hope you get to do it with your people as well. Find your people. And uh, if you don't have one already, find your church, your Bible-believing church. And plug in. Figure out for yourself what Paul is talking about. Figure out for yourself what Jesus wants for you. Um that's his will. That's his will and his plan on earth is to work through his people, through his spirit. He's still doing it today. Thank you for being on this podcast journey with us through the book of Romans. We've been at it from episode 35, where we started in Romans 1, to here in episode 53, where we now take one of our regular season breaks on If That Makes Sense. So now is a great chance to catch up on any chapters you missed in a previous episode 
and also use your podcast app to send a link to a friend who might be encouraged by chats like this over God's word. Stay subscribed to this podcast for what's coming next and for more weekly podcasts from Family Life. I'd invite you to join me over on the Rise Up podcast. That's where Steve, Therese, and I post every Saturday morning with fun, thoughtful faith conversations and always some hilarious surprises in there too. Just search Rise Up Family Life. Again, new episodes every Saturday. You can support great Christian content like this at familylife.org. Thank you for listening. And as always, look forward to having you along for the next one.